Welcome to the Kingdom at Hand from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota. I am Pastor Joe Faldet. Today's sermon will actually be in two parts. You might notice some audio difference. That's because one was recorded separately as a background on the city of Sardis, and then the other was the sermon presented before the congregation. And so we pray that God would bless you through this. So continuing our sessions through the book of Revelation, as we are looking at the letters to the churches in the book of Revelation. We're not going to go all the way through it here, Ozana. This is a little bit of background about the city of Sardis. Now, the city of Sardis, Jesus writes or dictates this letter to John in the beginning of the third chapter of the book of Revelation. And as uh, Jesus is writing to the city of Sardis, he is writing to a city that was great. He's writing to a city that was rich. He's writing to a city that was powerful. It was built on a very important area and it was almost impregnable, although it was conquered. Uh, But it was so difficult to conquer that capturing Sardis actually became a, a, a quote for fulfilling the impossible, doing the impossible. And so the city of Sardis had been captured and had been conquered. And Oftentimes, the reason that it had been captured and had been conquered was because of the arrogance of the people living in it. They only watched the major passes. They thought that the enemy was not going to do what the enemy ended up doing. And so instead of looking at every opportunity and watching themselves and actually uh, being diligent in their calling, the soldiers oftentimes neglected it because they thought they were powerful. And it turned out that they weren't. An earthquake came through in AD 70, 17, according to Pliny the Elder, and destroyed the city of Sardis. And Caesar then, by his benevolence, rebuilt the city of Sardis. And so the people of Sardis were very beholden to Caesar. And so that's the background of what we're looking at here. We're looking at a city that had been great. And in this letter that Jesus writes, he says, to remember what you have received. And so they were, to, they were called to look around them and say, you know what? We've been blessed. We've been blessed, but we have neglected it. We have neglected the blessing of God. And then Jesus concludes his letter by saying, if you don't remember, well, he doesn't quite conclude it. This is about right in the middle. If you don't remember, I'm going to come like a thief, just like that earthquake came in 17. And he said, I'm going to take away what you have just like that earthquake that came in 17. And so this is a warning. They, Jesus used their physical premise, the physical situation that they lived in, to teach them a warning about their spiritual situation. That it's not about the external. It's about the internal. And that's what we're going to be talking about on Sunday. But that's the, that's the history of the city of Sardis. If you want a deeper information in that, you're welcome to, to look it up. There's a lot more information than what I feel like I should be presenting here. But that's what's most important. They're a city that was great, but then stopped being because they neglected the interior and just relied on the exterior. Amen. They read in Jesus' name. And the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, 
You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to understand and apply these truths, we ask that your Spirit would be at work in us, guiding us into your truth. Lord, for your word is truth. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, Sardis is another one of these cities in Asia Minor. Um, like I said in the video, it was a highly fortified city. It was very, very strong, very powerful. And to the point where the people thought it would never be taken. Problem it was, it was. It was taken. It was taken a number of times. And, the, you know, one of the purposes of that was really to humble the people of Sardis. You know, and as... As Christians, the, the more that I've thought about this passage, the more that this looks so much like us. Granted, as I've gone through all of these churches, it's been like, wow, this is, this is us. This is America. These things are going on here. Because 50 years ago, who would have ever thought that the Christian church in America would be dying? Who would have ever thought that? That it would be under a time of contraction? Who would have ever thought that? You know, 50 years ago, we never would have contemplated it. 70 years ago, we were talking in the World Mission Prayer League. We had our board of directors meeting yesterday. Um, and we were talking about where we came from as a prayer league. We came out of a revival. That happened in right around World War I, World War II. And there was a revival that happened. And one of the guys, a fellow named Roland Wells, who's a pastor at St. Paul's in St. Paul, um, they were very clever, <laughs> kind of like First Lutheran. Like, wow, that's, I wonder what number you are in town. Um, or First Baptist or First Presbyterian or First whatever. But he was saying that there was a revival that happened. If you hit, put a point at Chicago, drew north, and then went west, that all that northern Midwestern area, all the way across, all the way even into Portland, uh, Oregon, and Washington State, there was revival. And that revival, sometimes it's called the Haystack Revival. That was actually a little bit before, but it fed into this revival. It created the Bible School Movement. So the Free Lutheran Bible School is the fruits of that, kind of, to some degree. But uh, I know Lori Anderson went to a Bible school in Golden Valley, and that was a fruit of that. If you guys know anybody who ever went to an LBI, uh, those LBIs were a fruit of that revival. Uh, LBIs in Chicago, there was in Minneapolis, in uh, I think there's one in Oregon, there's some in California, and all these LBIs, even the ones um, up in Canada now, are a fruit of that revival. And the World Mission Prayer League was a fruit of that revival. And the Holy Spirit moved and brought this revival and changed, really, the world. 
through this revival. And you know why? It's because that's what happens when life comes. Who would have thought that what happened then would actually be on a decrease? Because at that time, things were so strong and it was, it was so powerful. Nothing is ever going to happen. And yet we look around and it's like, well, what's happening? Well, the same thing that happened in Sardis is happening now. The people are no longer, we're not watching. You know, and the reason is because we forgot who Christ is. You know what the word Christ means? Anointed one. He is the anointed one. We're not. We're anointed by his spirit, but he's the one who is the anointed one. He's the one who saves. He's the one who brings wisdom. He is the one who holds the seven stars. You know what the seven stars are? They're the angels of the churches. And so whether that's the pastors or whether that's the spirit that is over the churches, who holds them? It's Jesus. He's the one. And so what happens if we trust in a pastor? We miss the head. What happens if we trust in our culture? We miss the head. What happens when we trust in, well, I, I, I'm even scared to say this, but what happens when we trust in our theology? Nathaniel, is there a reason why you have the camera pointed at the screen? I just noticed that. I was like, hey, it's not, I'm not looking at it. <laughs> no, that's okay. That, that is better looking than what's here. Um, so we can always thank Linda for making our slides. Um, but <laughs> that is a pretty one. I appreciate that. And uh, it just makes what's up here look all the worse. Well, we're not, <laughs> I'm just joking, Nyla Jean. What, what happens? We miss Christ. Who holds the seven spirits? This actually is, uh, a, I, this points back to Isaiah. I'm not going to go into Isaiah and talk about all of that, and I don't have the text on me right, right offhand. If someone wants to find that when you're not paying attention, um, you can. But who holds, who holds the gifts of the Spirit? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And so what happens when we miss Christ? We become like the people of Sardis. We forget our jobs. We forget who is in charge. We forget really the dangers that exist out there because we start to take for granted that which Jesus brings. Right? And we become lackadaisical. We forget. And what happens? We become conquered. And this is what's going on in America right now. Is this something that we should be afraid of? No, because it's the, that's the wrong use of fear. So what's the purpose of fear? Have you guys ever thought about that? Why am I afraid? What, why am I feeling? I think about stuff like that. Like, what's the purpose of this emotion? And part of that's because I don't like my emotions oftentimes. Um, so I hold them apart from me. But the purpose of fear is to tell me there's a danger out there that it's quite possible that you cannot conquer. That's what fear is telling me. There's a danger out there that's quite possible that you can't conquer, that will overcome you. That's the purpose of fear. That's it. Fear doesn't give me the strength to overcome it. Fear just tells me it's there. So then what do I do? Well, I sit on that fear and then I become really anxious and worried and that fixes it. That's not what you do with it. Because who, what was that, Linda? But it does fix it. I remember hearing the story of a pastor's wife who said, 
anxiety or worry is great because 99% of the things I worry about, they never happen. So obviously it works. No. Who is Christ? He is the Savior. He is the anointed one. He is the one that fixes this. So if you look at the world right now and say, you know what? There is something going on in this world that's quite possible that I can't conquer. You know what you're supposed to do with that? Not worry, not sit on it, bring it to God. He is Savior. You know what the word Jesus means? God saves. Oh. So you mean God hasn't required me to fix this? No, he requires me to go to him. And that's the heart of this. Because when we have the appearance, the church in Sardis, Sardis as a community, had the appearance of something that was strong and unconquerable. But because they had forgotten who they were and the danger out there, they simply had the appearance of it and they didn't have the reality of it. They didn't have the interior. And that's what was going on in the church too. I know your works. What are works? Works are external things, aren't they? You guys, you can't see my heart. I don't think so. You can't see what's inside. You can't read my thoughts. Praise God. You don't want to anyways. You can't see what's inside, but you can see what's outside. Jesus says, I know your works. I see what's outside. I see what's going on out there. But you know what? There's a problem. It's that what's going on out there is all that's going on. You're doing all of this good stuff, but you're hollow inside. You know, that's a problem, isn't it? Because what's more important? Health or the appearance of health? Think about that. Health. That's what's most important. I don't care if I don't look healthy as long as I am healthy. Odds are, though, if you are healthy you will look healthy. And so Jesus isn't saying here, hey, your works don't matter. Don't worry about the works. Don't worry about the external things. Only worry about the internal things. Because the Christian church has done that far too long and said, no, it's, if we get our right doctrine, if we just get right doctrine, if I can just say this right, I was having a discussion about that um, yesterday. Someone was trying to describe to me a theological truth and I used the, a wrong word and he kind of jumped on me. No, I'm not a syncretist. And it's like, that's not what I meant. But since I didn't say it exactly right, like, I wonder if this guy came from a lawyer family. If I didn't say it exactly right, I was obviously wrong. No, it's not that. It's what changes us. And so if I get my doctrine perfect, does that mean that I'm, I'm going to be fine? No, because doctrine isn't Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus isn't just doctrine. He teaches doctrine. He brings doctrine. Doctrine's important. But what's more important? Jesus. So I can have right doctrine and not have Jesus and still be condemned. So we need Jesus to be at our heart. So when something bad goes on, this is actually something that I was confessing during confession time, how often I rely on myself to figure it out, to get it right. How often I'm looking back on myself that I, I rely on myself to have the right words to say it, said at the right times in the right ways. Like, Lord, forgive me. This is sin. This is sin because I'm not relying on you. I'm relying on Joe. We were talking about this in Sunday school. When the kingdom of God comes, the lame will walk. Praise God. That means that when the kingdom of God comes into my life, he will actually enable me to do his work. He will empower me to do his work. 
And that means that the lame person can rely on God. The lame will walk. The blind will see. The deaf will hear. It's not just physical manifestations. We're excited about those when they happen, and they do happen. We think about the, the speed at which Levi's arm was healed. That's a gift of God, isn't it? It's a gift of God. But it's also a demonstration of what God can do in our souls. Because only God can do these things in our souls. And that's where it's most important. And if it's inside, it's also got to be outside. It's funny that you guys, we sang that song today because I think they picked that song months ago. We got to pass it on. But can I pass on? So if if Dar came up to me and said, hey, Joe, I need a million dollars. Would I be able to pass that on? No. Do you know why? I think I've got a 10. That's a start. <laughs> Don't worry, I won't charge you interest. Um, I don't have a million dollars to pass on. So if it's not in me, I can't give it away. And so if I'm doing works and just focusing on that and neglecting what's inside, we've got a problem. Because that means that my works are incomplete because they're done in the power of my flesh instead of being done in the power of the Spirit. They are not empowered by the Holy Spirit and so then they cannot bring about the fruit that I want. Period. Now, if I have the Holy Spirit living in me and yet I refuse to do those works, you know what the Holy Spirit says? Sorry, Joe, I'm out of here. Because then I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. I say, Lord, I know that you're calling me to do that, but I want to do this. The Holy Spirit say, oh, I'm, I'll, don't worry, Joe, I'll bless that too. Like, no. He says, no, you're supposed to be going this way and if you're walking this way, you're walking away from me. And so, are works more important or is the heart more important? Yes. <laughs> both. They both need to be in there. And Janet just said, heart. Well, absolutely. Without the heart, the works mean nothing. But you know what? Without the works, it's a demonstration that the heart is dying to. And so they're both vitally important. And so if my works don't come from a heart that's submitted to Jesus, trusting in Jesus, looking to Jesus, that means that I'm relying on my flesh. But if I have my heart right, if I have all the excitement, all the emotions and all the emotional things and yet my works are garbage, it's a sign that there's probably something wrong in my heart too. And so both of those things are very important. They both got to be brought into submission to Christ. My actions, my life in this world and my heart both need to be brought into submission to Christ. So what does Jesus say? Remember what you have received. Remember what you have received. Remember, remember Jesus? He's the one that you received. Look back to him. What was, those of you in my Sunday school class, what was the sermon that both John the Baptist and Jesus proclaimed? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Good job, Ken. You beat Dar to it. <laughs> no, it was a race. Hard to run faster than Ken, though. Oh, Dar was making sure that Ken listened. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> but that's the sermon. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Who is the kingdom of heaven? Jesus. Jesus. That's what Danielle talked about last week. That's what this is talking about. It's Jesus. And so what does this mean? My works are garbage. What does that mean? You need Jesus. Oh, I've got sin in my life. What does that mean? I need Jesus to enter into that spot. Well, my emotions are garbage. What does that mean? I need Jesus. It's not that hard, is it? It's not that complex. Christianity is ridiculously simple. It means I need to bring Jesus into that spot and submit to him there. 
I was talking with actually one of uh, at World Mission Prayer League. They have started something called the Discipleship House, which I am ridiculously excited about um, because I am. Remember, I'm Norwegian. This is me excited. That's this is this is ridiculously excited. The eyebrows go up. Ridiculously excited. Um, and they have they're starting a discipleship house, and so they're starting young adult intentional community being discipled by the missionaries, the home staff at World Mission Prayer League. And so they're gathering young adults to live at the World Mission Prayer League and the goal is that the staff then would help intentionally disciple these students. And it's like, this is, praise God, this is awesome. And one of the students was talking and he said, you know, Christianity, we have focused so much on truth. We've missed two other vital aspects of it. And that's its goodness and that's its power. Do you know that Christianity isn't just true, but it's also good? It is the heart of all the good that comes in this world. It's Jesus. He is the heart of all the good that comes into this world. And it is powerful. It can change that which is evil into good. And how do we know where it is? It's because it creates beauty. Wherever it comes, Christianity creates beauty. We live in a world right now that's trying to create beauty apart from Jesus. And it ain't working. It's creating ugliness. It's creating hatred. It's creating cruelty. It's not creating love and patience and joy. It's creating sorrow. Everywhere it touches, it creates sorrow. Think about the divorce epidemic that's going on in our world. It's creating sorrow, pain, turmoil. I'm not, is there a biblical place for divorce? Absolutely. But not where it's happening now. Not what's happening now. It's creating sorrow. It's not creating freedom. It's not creating joy. It's not creating hope. It's just creating sorrow. We think about the stuff going on in our schools. We think about the, the continuation of the sexual revolution into the yuck that we are experiencing nowadays. Is it creating what it promised? You know, we think about even the, um, I was listening to a podcast, Nathaniel sent it to me, talking about the third wave of feminism and, and what it's promised people. You know, when the third wave of feminism came in, it told women you'd have perfect freedom. And she said, and this lady goes, you know what we got? I got told I have to go to work and then I have to come home and I have to make sure that everything at home is done too. And she said, I, we got the short end of the stick here because now I have to do everything outside of the home and now I have to do everything inside of the home. And, and now I'm told that I'm not even supposed to get married because that's a demonstration of patriarchy. And so we, there's no more marriage and I'm not supposed to have kids. There's no more kids. What's going on here? Why are we being taught this? What is it bringing? It's bringing darkness. It's bringing darkness. Why? Because they're trying to create light without Jesus. That was what was going on in Sardis. That's what's going on right here. So what do we need? Remember what you have received. What is that? Jesus. Like, oh, there's fear in my life. Well, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to bring it to Jesus. Well, there's sorrow there. What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to bring it to Jesus. There's hopelessness. What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to cry out to Jesus because God saves. This is the message of Sardis. There is darkness and there's ugliness in my life. What am I supposed to do? Bring it to Jesus. This makes sense. How did our world change in the past? Jesus came in, brought revival. Our world is in darkness and in ugliness right now. It is ugly. It is the most ugly I have ever seen things. Watching, how many of you have seen any political ads? <laughs> political ads. Just 
talking about ugliness. Are they beautiful? No. You know what happens when we try to run a country without Jesus? It creates ugliness. And so as I watch this ugliness in our culture, as I watch YouTube, I, I used to watch YouTube because it didn't have all that garbage. And now it's up on YouTube. It's like, oh, I don't want to watch YouTube anymore. You know why? It creates ugliness. It's a demonstration that Jesus isn't in it. That's what was happening in Sardis. That's what's happening in the church in America. That's what's happening in America. And so you know what we need? Exact same thing as Sardis. Jesus, inside, change me. Does that mean that my works don't matter? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Keep the works. The works are good. But you need Jesus to empower them. And you know what? The ones who are white, the ones who are walking to Jesus, Jesus says, don't worry, I will confess you before my Father. You will walk in white. You will have pureness. You will have joy. You will have that which the world does not have. You will experience that which the world cannot experience until Jesus lives in your heart. This is the promise we have. This, you know the promise of Christianity is not just for eternity. It's for right now. So if I have this ugliness in my heart, and you know what that is. You've seen it. You've seen it in your own, I'm guessing. Things in your life that you are not proud of. What do you need? You need Jesus to come into those things. Submit to him in those places. Because if, if we're excited for revival, how many of you would be excited to hear that revival is going on? Would you, would you be excited about that? I would be absolutely pumped about that. But you know what that would mean? That would mean that it also needed to come to us. And so it might as well start here. Revive me again. We need it. Fill me up, Lord. That's our next hymn. Who do we need? We need Jesus in all aspects of our lives. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that it's you. Lord, that, thank you that it's not complicated. But it's you. It's you. And come to us that we might experience you. That's how it is with God's love once you've experienced it. Lord, we want to experience you. Lord, as we live good works in this world, we want them to be empowered by you. We don't want them to be empowered by us. We want our lives changed, that we might look like you, that we might love you, that we might walk with you in truth and in humility and in love and submission to you, not focusing on our works, letting them come as we submit to you. Thank you, Lord. Bless us now that we would not be like the church in Sardis, but that we would be like the church that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.